Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Block 50 Radio. Additionally, you can find yours truly on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Drew Duncan Radio. And, of course, Block 50 Radio is wherever you are listening. Block50radio.com all day, every day. And, of course, we are wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play Block 50 Radio on iTunes, Deezer, Google Podcasts, etc. wherever you are listening, we are there. Guys, plenty to get to today. Obviously, we're going to be talking about playoffs from last night. We're going to be talking about the Warriors tonight. And, of course, we're going to be talking a little NFL as Ryan Tannehill suggests that it's a little bit of deja vu with the Titans picking a quarterback in the draft. We'll be discussing that as well. All right. First thing is first, last night, the beatdown in Boston. Just an ugly nightmare from the beginning if you are a 76er or 76er fan. Lost by plus 30. They get dominated. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, there's a lot of discussion about James Harden being thrown off because Joel Embiid was back in the game and he wasn't able to play his type of ball, et cetera, et cetera. I guess we missed the part where James Harden led the league in assists this season. I said in round one with Joel Embiid in, even though he was playing a little hurt then, that this was the best that I had ever seen James Harden play. And, yes, he did step up in game one, drop 45, put the nail in the coffin at the end of that game. But even with that dagger, I still felt like Joel Embiid was still the best chance for the 76ers to win the series overall. Now, I think Boston came out with the mentality of we're not going to lose this game no matter what. And if you ask me, it's not on James Harden. It's not even on Joel Embiid. It's really on the team, the 76ers. They settled for bad shots all night long. Guys were standing around the three-point line. There wasn't a whole lot of ball movement. And that was what ended up doing the 76ers in. Joel Embiid had a few blocks in that game. Let's not forget that. It wasn't like he played completely bad basketball. It's obvious that he's still hobbling. I think they brought him back a little too early. I think it would have been good to sacrifice game number two in that series without him. Game three, you go back home and you bring Joel back. But hindsight is always 20-20, and the 76ers are going to have to figure out a way to take back the lead. Clearly, if you're Boston, you played basically the perfect game of basketball. Give credit where it's due. Offensively, they were everything that the 76ers were in the first game. They moved the ball well. They shot astronomically. Defensively, they were rowdy. And they didn't play no nonsense. That's really all there is to that. Last night's game is not difficult to tell why the Boston Celtics won that game. Harden played horrific. I think he only got 12 for the night. I don't want to hear it's because Joel Embiid was back in there and they were trying to force feed him the ball. Even if that is the case, he's the NBA's MVP and he's been the scoring leader now two consecutive years. 
over 30 a game is what Embiid generally brings you. The Sixers got bottled up, and that's all there is to it. So now you regroup, you get ready for Friday night, you take advantage of the home court, and you get back to playing your style of ball. Let's not forget that Harden have, I think, the third or fourth most points in a couple of games in the first series. But he would have a lot of assists. I think in the first game he had 23 and 12, if I'm not mistaken. It's not about force-feeding Joel and beat the ball. It is 110% about their inability to score, a lot of 2-1-2 two, two high traps, and they threw some different looks at him, and they just put pressure on the ball all game long. And like I said, guys standing around not going to cut the mustard. Not this time of year, anyway. If you're going to live by it, you're going to die by it. And that's all there is to that. Moving on. Tonight's game. The Warriors and Lakers, I'm telling you what, it's a matchup that we look forward to strictly because of the names. That's what it amounts to with Golden State and L.A. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Andrew Wiggins. We look forward to this matchup strictly because of the names that are involved. Now, look, if you look back at the game from the other night, really when you think about it, Golden State did not play their best basketball. They just had a huge run at the end of that game to tie the ball game, but then after that, the Lakers took care of business. Simply put, the Warriors put themselves in a bad situation. They didn't give up, which is nice, but we're not out here giving participation trophies right now. It's the NBA playoffs, and you either win or you lose. You move on or you don't. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. And it's really a shame because if you're a Warriors fan, that game was in Frisco where they clearly should have dominated. But you have to give credit to LeBron and company. They never wavered. And Anthony Davis played insane defense in that game. How many key blocks and steals and disrupted shots did he make himself a part of? The fact of the matter is, Anthony Davis still remains one of the reasons why the Lakers are in the position that they're in. And he hasn't really got enough credit. During the pandemic year, I guess we'll call it, when they acquired him, he was, to me, the driving force behind the L.A. Lakers. Last season, LeBron James was hurt so much and missed so many ball games. Along with Anthony Davis, that was part of what ended up upending the L.A. Lakers. This season, he helped carry the team during the regular season in games where LeBron missed. And now in the playoffs, he's doing everything you could even want and then some. The fact of the matter is, if you were to ask me, this is AD's ball team. 
and the brow has created a different dynamic for the L.A. Lakers over the last few seasons. Look, there's nobody out there that questions whether or not Anthony Davis can ball. The question for him is the same one that we have for a lot of different athletes. Are you able to stay healthy? This time of year, it is an obvious thing. I'm not saying anything special. You got to have your star players. And they have to be playing big. I mean, I've talked about it umpteen times with the Phoenix Suns. CP3 just disappears for another reason. Either he's just not playing good or he's hurt or whatever the case may be. He's just out. And we're seeing it right now, the effects of that, right? CP3 starts playing good, groin injury. It did affect the Suns in that game. That's all there is to it. KD wasn't at his best. You see what happens when your main guys disappear. What should be the difference in the game tonight? Well, if you ask me, I want to see Steph slash into the hoop a little bit more. We all know he's got the long range. But if I'm him, I am creating inside motion and I am forcing the issue and I'm trying to create foul situations because I want Anthony Davis in foul trouble. I want him to have two fouls by the end of the first quarter and I want him to have four fouls by halftime. I am pushing the rock and I'm going all the way to the rack as often as possible. And, of course, when they get down on him, if it's not available, well, then you got Clay from the outside. You've got Draymond to the rack. You've got Poole and Wiggins. I mean, any of those guys can put it up from anywhere. Conversely, if I'm the Lakers, you know, believe it or not, I'm going to do everything I can to keep them on the outside. Just force bad looks. You're going to have to shoot it from the outside all game long. We're not going to let you inside. Everybody's going to be in your face. I'm playing 4-1 defense. I'm letting Anthony Davis control that center area right there, and I'm keeping everybody else on the outside, and I'm daring them to come inside because if the officiating is anything like it was in game one, then I know it's going to be in my favor. And I don't mind Steph taking Davis one-on-one. I just wanted to be careful and stay out of foul trouble. Get two hands up, double dog dare you, my man. And offensive rebounding. Got to get those second chance points. I want to slow the pace down. I do not want Golden State to start running the floor. That's what I'm looking for if I am the L.A. Lakers. All right. Finally today, a little NFL. Ryan Tannehill has said this feels like deja vu with the drafting of Will Davis, who, you know, at this point, everybody knows who he is, who his girlfriend is, who his sister is. Let's all calm down now. All right, guys. Yeah, they're good-looking women, but seriously, come on. I've read the comment section. It's a little off-putting if I'm saying so myself. All right. 
you guys can torch this man in the comments to his sister and his girl all you want to. Uh, that doesn't change anything that Will Levis was still the 33rd pick in the NFL draft. All right. And it doesn't change that the Titans traded up to get him. And Tannehill's correct. Matter of fact, a quote from Tannehill, yeah, we've been down this road before. So it's definitely a little bit of deja vu. Of course, he is referring to when they traded up with the Las Vegas Raiders last season. They picked up Malik Willis. I promise I could do this job. They picked up Malik Willis, who, by the way, played horrifically. I think he only had 270 yards passing somewhere in that neighborhood. No TDs, three picks. His only win came against the Denver Broncos, which – that's not exactly a good win. They lost against the Chargers. So not a good look. But then again, to be fair, Ryan Tannehill didn't exactly play his best ball, then getting hurt. and Everything else that's been going on with the Tennessee Titans, you know, the fact of the matter is simply this. Uh, they need to figure something out because I love Ryan Tannehill. I really do. But it could be time to move on from him. Okay, you had that one good season. You end up getting Julio Jones. I understand that Jones has been hurt. But there's really no way to say it other than when you have Derrick Henry in the backfield. And he's still one of the NFL's league-leading rushers year in and year out. When you have him and you are not playing good football, then that pretty much tells me everything I need to know about your team. And eventually, you're going to have to have a quarterback who defenses are going to say, even if we stop Derrick Henry, we will probably not be able to stop the quarterback. You see, there are teams that have quarterbacks that are good, but if you make them be a quarterback, if you make them carry the football team, they are then – no threat. Perfect example, when the Rams played the Patriots in the Super Bowl a few years ago, I flat out said that the Patriots were going to make him play quarterback. They were scared of Todd Gurley, who was injured going into that football game. And every time he got the ball, he put up yards, and you could see the look. On the faceless Jim himself, Bill Belichick, even he made it look like this isn't good. But he just could not stay in the game because he was hurt. So, what happened? Goff could not get it done on his own. They made him play quarterback, and he could not do it. That's all there is to it. The Patriots were very content to keep that game low scoring. They were very content to run the clock. They knew that eventually time was going to run out on golf. They did just enough to win that game, and they weren't going to have to do a whole lot, if I'm being honest with you. That's what I'm talking about. And if the game is on the line, do you look at Ryan Tannehill and do you say to yourself, yes, 
we have a guy right now that if he's got to play quarterback, if he's got to carry this team on his own, he's able to get it done. I love him. I love Ryan Tannehill. He's not afraid to put his body on the line. He's not afraid to tuck it and run it and put himself in a bad situation. He's fearless with that football. Uh, to some people, that's a bad thing. To me, you know what? To hell with it. You got to do what you got to do sometimes. Sometimes it's a little reckless, but it is what it is. Is Will Levis going to be any better? You know, that's the main thing. Finding a true NFL quarterback is a lot harder than you think it is. When you start going down the list of current starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now, how many of them do you look at and you say for sure this guy will go into the NFL Hall of Fame? If Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, right to the NFL Hall of Fame by the end of his career. Aaron Rodgers, NFL Hall of Fame. There's two. Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield. You start going down the list. You start wondering, I, I don't know. I mean, how many do you really think are going to go? You know, the Hall of Fame is not for everybody. You can't just let everybody in. It's a special type of NFL player that gets into the Hall of Fame. Look at what Donovan McNagg did. 38,000 yards passing, which during his time was still pretty much unheard of. Especially in a run-first offense. Not to mention the only time he ever had a real wide receiver is when he had T.O. By the time he got Deshaun Jackson, his career was pretty much on, on the downward. Way too many injuries. But he went to four NFC title games. He went to a Super Bowl. And he's got better numbers than Aikman, and he's not in. Think about that. The NFL Hall of Fame is not for everybody. The fact remains, when you look at Ryan Tannehill, do you have a guy who's a game changer? Just don't know anymore. I've rooted for him pretty much his entire career. I just don't know anymore. I don't know that he's got it in him. The NFL is not a one-season splash makes you a great player. I.e. Jimmy G. We'll see what happens with Brock Purdy. All these quarterbacks came out in the NFL draft. Four in the first five picks were quarterbacks. How many of those guys are going to make it past year one, two, or three? Really think about it. The average NFL career is, what, three years? I'm not sure that the Titans are not secretly desperate 
for a true quarterback. I guess we'll see what happens. But I got to tell you, I think Will Levis, him going 33rd was probably the best thing that ever happened to him. Sometimes it's okay to be taken down a notch. I've been taken down notches before. It's okay to be humbled. When it all boils down to it, the Tennessee Titans, I think, are getting ready to move on. I would not be surprised if we saw Will Levis come through in about week four or five, especially if the Titans aren't producing. Even if they're winning and Ryan Tannehill's playing marginal football, you still might see Will Levis, depending on how he does in camp. Now, do I agree with that? No. Look at what happened with Mahomes. He sat out for even just a season, and look at what he's turned into. Bubby Brister, who had been a starter since his rookie year, flat out said that when he finally got to play under John Elway, it was the most he had ever learned about the position of being a quarterback. Think about that. He finally got to sit a year. He sat under a Hall of Fame quarterback who, by the way, people forget when Elway retired, he had more wins than anybody else in NFL history, more comebacks than anyone else in NFL history, over 51,000 yards passing, which was very high in terms of quarterbacks in NFL history. Long before it was a pass-happy leap. The reality is, if Will Levis sits out for the season, I think next year they move on from Tannehill. They go on to Will Levis. I think they're thinking ahead. The main thing is keeping Derrick Henry healthy in between that time, that adjustment period where you hope he can hang on just a little bit longer. He'll give you what you need in the meantime. You can draft somebody next year like an old lineman, maybe another wide out, maybe you know somebody on defense. Then Will Levis comes in and then he leads the team. We saw it with Donna McNabb pretty much set out most of the season with Philly. He ends up coming in, you know, last few games of the year and then he takes on the starter role and they went from a losing football team to the next season they were 11 and 5 and went to the NFC title game. In fact, let's not forget that Donovan McNabb, the year that he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, they had the 30th ranked offense in the NFL. His first year starting there, they went from basically dead last to ranked 12th in the NFL. Huge jump. 
All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. We've been live on Block 50 Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Block 50 Radio. You can find yours truly on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Drew Duncan Radio. And do not forget, we are wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play Block 50 Radio on iTunes, Google Podcasts, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. And as always, stay safe and take care of yourselves.